you're listening to a Mash Those Buttons podcast. Visit mashthosebuttons.com for a full podcast schedule. And welcome to episode Nintendo 64 of In Orbit, Mashos Buttons podcast dedicated to Destiny and its community. Wherever you are and whenever you're listening, we thank you as always for making us a part of your Destiny experience. My name is Jorge. And my name is David. And on today's show, we have Captain McFly. Say hi. Hi, guys. How's it going? All right. And make sure that you all are checking out all the other podcasts available here on the Mashos Buttons Network at www.mashosbuttons.com. Get involved with us at InOrbit by sending us questions at inorbitpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at inorbitpodcast. On today's show, we're going to be talking about The Wrath of the Machine, now at 390 Light for only this week. We're going to be talking about the hotfix and the painful installation of the hotfix. And we're going to be going over our own thoughts of the game and our excitement for Destiny 2. But before we get into this, Captain McFly, why don't you go ahead and introduce the world of In Orbit to your excellence. Alrighty, guys. Well, thank you again for having me. I do appreciate it. It is quite an honor to be invited on, on the show. Um, as you guys have said, my name is Captain McFly. I am a Destiny streamer. Um, I stream uh, three days a week on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday nights at 8 o'clock Central. Um, been streaming for coming up on one year on uh, first week of May. will be my f- first full year on Twitch. Uh, it's been a very, very fun ride. And I also uh, work in television full-time. That is my IRL job. That's my Monday through Friday, 9 to 5 gig. Uh, primarily, I'm a camera operator and technical director and uh, do a little bit of lighting as well. Is the only game you stream Twitch or stream Twitch ha, destiny on Twitch? <laughs> no, I mean, I destiny is the main game that I typically play. But since uh, Breath of the Wild came out, my wife and I actually play together on Wednesday nights. It's kind of become a, a weekly thing that we're doing together. Um, and then occasionally I streamed a little bit of Mass Effect, but I've ever since Age of Triumph came back around, it's taken a back seat. I'll probably pick that back up again maybe over the summer as things kind of slow down a little bit with Destiny right before we get up to the launch of Destiny 2 and what we I would I would hope hope for the beta. <laughs> so I would I would think the beta will be coming. So we shall see. So now that you said Breath of the Wild, and I know this is a Destiny podcast, but I have to ask you, what are your thoughts on that game? Breath of the Wild, I think, is a true classic. It is a modern classic. It, it is gorgeous. It is super fun to play. It It's one of those where I like to be challenged, but I don't like to 
be put in the situation where I feel like I can't do anymore. Like, like have it re- like have the difficulty ramp up to the point where you're just you're stuck and there's no way to get past it at all unless you do like some super crazy thing one time the right way. I feel like this game, it gives you everything that you need to solve any point in the game. Like any any dungeon, any divine beast or anything like that, you have what you need to do it. It may be more difficult than other times, depending on what you've acquired and what gear you have or what abilities you've acquired. But um, I do like that you can truly approach this game in any way that you see fit, however you see fit. And not only that, I think the art style is very gorgeous. And I think it also covers up the the lack of power that the switch has in a way that I think is very elegant and kind of keeps an eye on what matters most. And that's gameplay. And this is a master's class in gameplay. It is stellar. It's very fun. Some small nuances that I wish were maybe a little bit different or a little more intuitive, such as just Nintendo being Nintendo and changing the jump button, which we all know is like either X or a being the bottom you know, button on the right, you know, been doing that for, you know, decade or more. And then they decide to switch it on you. So it's like, ah, just I always have to remind myself of that. It takes about 15 minutes to adjust. But but I think it's it's a fantastic game that is incredibly fun to play and it just looks gorgeous. And it's very easy to get lost. And even though the even though I may not accomplish much, I feel like it was time well spent no matter what. Yeah, I mean, I'm still playing it. I I I've been taking it in small chunks. Mm-hmm. I know there's people that that go full bore, like went 70 hours straight, but I've been taking it in small bunches. Um, it's still weird. Like the controls are still weird to me. I- I'm still getting used to that because I've had many instances where I accidentally threw my sword off the plateau and I'm like, <laughs> oh my God. Like, I hate that. I hate. Uh, anyway. Um, but the reason I bring that up is what kind of elements do you use? have you seen in games for example breath of the wild or even other games that you've played that you would like to see in future destiny oh well i think a lot of people would be in the same boat as me when when destiny was first announced um i think a lot of people thought that we were going to be getting something along the lines of mass effect meets world of warcraft meets halo I think that was kind of the expectation that uh, most people had for vanilla destiny. Um, obviously that wasn't the case. Um, but I think that's what a lot of people are still hoping for. I think we're still looking for more, more depth, more flushed out moments with our, our class leaders, like with Zavala and Cade and Ikora and just having, you know, having your class matter and, Something that that um that I always enjoyed in World of Warcraft, um, which is one of the games that, that I played for a very, very long time prior to Destiny, um, was that when you picked a species or you picked um a race or an alliance, that meant something. That affected your your origin, your beginning, your start. And so when I when I choose, you know, a female warlock, I'm expecting to see you know, a female human warlock, I'm expecting something unique and kind of my own beginning that matters. And I'm kind of getting the same story as as every every race. And I remember hearing a long time ago that 
the beginning that we have in Destiny when you create your fir- guardian for the first time, that that is supposed to be the Exo origin. Like that's the Exo starting point. And maybe there was an intended beginning for the Awoken and an intended start for the for the human. And so I would like to see something like that. And then maybe some missions that we can have with our NPCs, like with, you know, with Shax and Zavala. Like, I think it'd be cool, like during the, you know, assault back on the last city or, you know, we're out in the wild trying to defend a flank and Zavala and Shax are trying to hold the line with like a legion of Titans. And they're like, we need help. Go help them. And moments like that, or like having like a crazy stealth, you know, like, suicide mission with Cade or something like that. And Ikora has got this big research mission that she wants you to do and kind of like, you know, giving those moments where you can kind of get to know these characters that we've spent so much time with, but also get a chance to kind of give us some new elements to single player missions that, you know, that we have been lacking within the destiny experience so far. Um, I don't know if crafting is something that we need, um like something like the division with that amount of customization options i think that also brings about a certain set of problems you know balance has been something that the crucible and other things have always been in an ebb and flow since destiny first launched and we've seen you know the rise and the fall of the fusion rifle and the auto rifle shotguns have kind of been all over the place and snipers i mean everything has gotten hit and smacked and changed and tweaked and you know revamped since we first started i mean the the way the weapons are now are nowhere near what we had day one they're just not i mean i remember when you know you know the shingen e during the beta was like if you did not have this gun you were not capable of anything in the crucible (laughs) and and now i mean autos yeah they can be kind of fun they can be effective but i mean there are guns now that are far more superior if you hit the right perks but uh crafting i think by having even more possibilities yes it would be cool to maybe alter the appearance of our weapons more with more customization choices like when you change your barrel let's see that change reflected in the model of the weapon i think that'd be cool um and same with sight just like we do with sights we do see some cosmetic change or like when we add field scout let's see the magazine change let's see a different magazine on the weapon and uh, little things like that, I think, could go a long way in making your weapon feel like, yes, this is mine. Like, this is my Es Luna, or this is my, um, my doctrine. This is my Matador. This is my Saladin's Vigil that is uniquely mine. Um, I think when things like that, that could bring it more fun. When you were saying that, I was picturing the the meme where the guy has the extended mag on that small pistol on that <laughs> revolver. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, that that's stuff that we've been talking about on the show. We, we want to see more story. We want to see different viewpoints. Like you said, where we're, I think the story, based on the rumors, on heavy rumors that are reported by Jason Schreier, that the entire story that we're going through in Vanilla was EXO. And mm-hmm. I wanted to see more of the human side. I want to see more of from the from the what are the the awoken side i, I want to see what these races bring into the effect because an awoken we've already we already see it in, in the actual story the side of the awoken is something completely different they're dark they're mysterious they came from a collision between darkness and light they're left right. out there in, in in the asteroid field and some came to earth some some stayed in the asteroid field for all we know there could be 
more awoken out there beyond the stars. And I want to see what that that whole thing is about. Like, why do why does the queen's subjects feel like they're part of her family? Like like they mentioned in the beginning of uh, Taken King, this is my family now. I am their queen. Mm-hmm. Not so. to mention, it's very weird that human and awoken bodies would be laying in a field for hundreds of years and be perfectly okay. <laughs> yeah, pay no mind to that. Just just ignore all the bodies. <laughs> it's perfectly natural. <laughs> yeah, I, I, and there's, there's a lot of things that I want to see them do in the future. Definitely storytelling with regards to the races, because... That's what enriches the game. Like you mentioned, World of Warcraft. Mm-hmm. Every single class, every single race has its own thing, even between the Alliance and Horde. I don't know too much of the story. Sure. I, I never really played um, World of Warcraft that much, but I am familiar that if you were a on the Horde side, you have a very different background than if you were on the Alliance side. Exactly. And not only that, too, like even taking it a step further, like... When you picked your your race in, in Warcraft, there were also specific racial abilities that were unique to that race. No other right. race could have it. And so it would be cool to see something similar. Like if you're a human, you have something that is specific to you that makes you different from an Exo that an Exo cannot have and vice versa. Mm-hmm. And same with like an Awoken. Like maybe an Awoken has like an extra resistance to damage from enemies of the darkness. Like just mm-hmm. period, like they just take slightly reduced less damage to the darkness and exos. Maybe they have just innately more armor or they have just better combat proficiency. Like they just generally just deal more damage or humans have an innate recovery boost. that's similar mm-hmm. to warlocks. Like it's just a marginal increase, like just and it could be whatever they decide to do. But, you know, something to make make those choices matter that much more not only is it can is your origin going to be affected too but hey the way your character is going to play is going to be a little bit different as well to make that experience a little more tailor-made or a little more unique to you i think that would go a long way yeah for me it was always weird that the exo could do the same type of magic as a warlock right human or like i would expect a an exo warlock to have more mechanical abilities, shooting bolts from their hands, like an, a light beam, or using some sort of, like even fire, like fire from their hands, or using the power of the void in different ways than, than what a more traditional, quote-unquote, human throwing magic, or even an awoken using powers of the darkness because they are light and dark. Mm-hmm. Just different ways to utilize magic or utilize that that class so to say that would make it a little bit better in my opinion well you have to remember that all of our powers stem from the traveler in this game in this story so by switching up powers based on race then you kind of see i don't know it, it doesn't really fit that story per se not to mention we only have three character slots versus wow where you can have a lot more character slots and in wow you have all these different um races that restrict the classes you can then play certain classes can't play or certain races can't play certain classes in wow so you'd have to have not only more slots for you to choose from so that you could then see the different abilities for each character which with the way destiny work would get very tiresome each week having to play Mm -hmm. every character each week combined with the fact that the leveling system in destiny really doesn't cater to that style of play 
because it's very much you have to level a character of the 40, then you have to go through and do all this different stuff. So it, it can't really work the way WoW works right now. If they change the leveling system and stuff, then maybe it can. But I really have never seen a problem with the abilities being the same across races. Um, I do think each race should have something unique, though, as you guys mentioned before, where you get a certain buff to this certain thing because you chose this class. or You get this little extra ability because you chose this race, something like that, that incentivizes this incentivizes you choosing a different race rather than having three humans, three XOs, or three Woken. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, it, go ahead, I'm sorry. I was going to say, and also, too, with the... Because Destiny 2 is coming, and it's not going to be restricted to the previous generation of consoles, I have a feeling Destiny as we know it now is going to be such a far cry from what Destiny 2 is going to be. I feel like yep. it is going to be so different and I feel like I'm not expecting like the exact ideas that are, you know, the structure within Warcraft. But at the same time, Luke Smith is a big Warcraft fan and they've consulted a lot with Blizzard, who is, you know, in it's Activision Blizzard. And so you, you can't overlook the potential of some influence from from their sister companies and, you know, people that are there to help them because they know what they have and the potential of this game and just the install base too. There's, there's a large player pool here and they know what they, they know what we want. We want more, we want more depth. And sometimes things like that are going to be considered, you know, what can we do to enrich the player experience that much more? Well, make their choices matter that much more, make, Mm -hmm. make their experience feel that much more unique. It kind of, it makes that carrot on the stick that you're chasing not only that much more enticing, but in a way it's kind of like it's in a way they're giving you more of the drug. They're giving you more of what you really, really (laughs) ultimately want in destiny. Like not just to chase the shiny exotics, but they're giving you that much more of an enriched experience. And I think that's, that's something that uh, we can, I think we can reasonably hope for, but um Obviously, you know, based on what we got in Destiny 1 versus what I think a large number of people like myself expected, um, you know, keep your expectations tempered until you see the beta. And um, if you enjoy Destiny 1, I can't imagine you're not going to enjoy yourself in Destiny 2. Yeah, and we can continue to speculate, speculate, speculate on and on as we have for weeks on end now. But under a month now, May 18th, we will get to see that reveal and see what is truly coming with Destiny 2. So that'll be good to know what we're getting. And like you said, the beta is going to show us even more potentially of the type of things mm-hmm. we're going to experience in Destiny 2. Yeah, it is weird that we're going to be getting an actual gameplay reveal. Uh, I know. Uh, it's so crazy. Like, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's for me, don't get me wrong. Like, I know they've been working on this for a while, but I, I still feel... Part of me is like, oh, it's still so far away. Like, we're going to get it next year. But I know we're getting it this year. I know I already put the money to pre-order it. I know all this. And I still am like, oh, it's it's like next year sometime. No, it's like right around the corner. Yeah, it is weeks away. It's very <laughs> close until we can actually see it. I remember looking back at some of the reveals for Destiny 1 and just thinking like, okay, this is what they showed us for Destiny 1. What are we going to see in the reveal is it going to be something similar to a patrol is it going to be kind of like a nice vertical slice of just like 
okay, we're going to see some HUD, some environment, some enemies, some things going boom. <laughs> and then maybe like a montage of clips at the end and that'll be it. I have a feeling it'll be something like that. It'll be enough just to give you just enough of a taste for the whole internet to go, holy crap. Yeah, I'm so excited. I, I think if I, if I had to predict the layout, because they are doing it on their Twitch stream, if I had to predict mm. the layout, I have a feeling it's going to be something like this. We have um, a trailer that drops, gameplay trailer, boom, right at the beginning of the stream. We come mm-hmm. into Deej on the couch with whoever's with him. They talk for a little bit. Then if I had and to just guess, your suit. Yeah. And then if I had to guess, we are in some sort of social space. I'm guessing that's what they'd show us first. And then mm-hmm. from there, they'll run around the social space, talk about a few things that are in the game, and then maybe hop into a patrol or strike or crucible match, something like that. Real quick preview. And then that's all we're going to get in the first reveal. Um, but at the same time, that reveal is going to be combed over hardcore by all the people who produce YouTube content, Twitch content, all that stuff, because um, Bungie has a habit of hiding little tiny hints in all their videos and reveals like they did back. Remember in Taken King, where for just about five seconds, someone had a sword equipped on their back in that Taken stream reveal. Mm-hmm. So everybody's going to be looking for stuff like that when we get this. Oh, you know it. You here. know it. Every <laughs> every major content creator is going to be recording it right then and there, and they're going to scrub through frame by frame. There's going to be some stuff that's going to be so quick that no one's going to notice until they scrub through. I guarantee there's going to be something like that. I'm just it, waiting for a Hakka sword. <laughs> it it breaks whenever swords. you kill us. Oh my god. Alright, so that would uh, be crazy. We did get some news this week. We we have the mm-hmm. TWAB. Uh, moving on mm-hmm. from our speculation. We're getting a hotfix. Uh, okay. I can real quickly go through everything that's coming with the hotfix. Um, go for it. So with the raids, they're fixing the crash that happens when you respond with Knuckles of AO, which was hitting uh, the Templar fight pretty hard in mm. a lot of glass uh, incredibly for annoying very annoying for crucible they're fixing the elimination round timer that ended up indefinite um they're fixing the trials of osiris flawless runs not being in the book and they added some more invisible physics to keep people from escaping rusted lands eververse is getting uh, a few fixes to sterling treasures treasures of ages and um, some ships that weren't dropping. Nothing too important there, since people really hate Eververse. Mm-hmm. Um, they are making it so Eris sells runes for Court of Oryx. Um, a quick fix on the Tale of Two Guardians quest. And then they are fixing the really, really, really annoying notification that kept popping up when you'd have a third-party active... Excuse me. Third-party app active for moving things over, such as Dim, where you're... Ages of Tri- Triumph book would just flash over and over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Thank goodness. That was the most See, annoying bug ever. Just like, bring First world bring. problem there. But yeah, I agree. Def- definitely a first world problem, but definitely a, a quality of life improvement for sure. See, I didn't have that issue ever. I, I, I must have been one of the lucky ones. I never had the no- notification pop up, and I use... Uh, Ishtar Commander all the time. I use, and I use D- Dim all the time as well. Yeah, I was gonna say, I use Dim, and it's happened nonstop to the point where um, I got back used to. Ha- I've just gotten used to having it. Like I ignore the fact that this notification is constantly popping up on the side because that's just been happening for a few weeks now. Mm. 
Yeah, for me, I use DIM on my phone ever since that became an option, like actually being able to use it within a, a phone web browser. And um, Sunburn Goose is, you know, is come by my stream a few times. Super nice guy. One of the, if not the big wig behind DIM. And uh, once he was telling me that that was becoming a thing, I was very, very excited. And so whenever I used DIM on my phone, every time I would pull it up, it would start to, you know, splash multiple records done. Lakshmi's favor and all that stuff. And it would only happen as the app was open. And the moment I locked my phone again, it would stop. But every what's, time I opened it, it would do it. What's really funny is everybody. So everybody gets the multiple achievements, but then every person I talk to seems to have a slightly different second one that always comes up. Like I've heard oh, you yeah. get the crucible <laughs> esteem. You got Lakshmi's favor. I always get Vanguard esteem like that. That second one's kind of a little surprise for everybody. Yeah. Everyone's a little special moment. All right. So, okay. so <laughs> <laughs> moving on to the rest of the TWAB, um, the big news that I saw, at least, that was dropped during the TWAB is Wrath 390. It's only going to be available when Wrath of the Machine is the weekly raid. Boo. Yeah. Uh, uh, that doesn't make sense. So to, to add clarity to this, on the weeks that the Wrath of the Machine is not the challenge of the week, you can still play the heroic version at 380. But the 390 hard version is only available on challenge mode. Does this mean you can't earn the hard mode armor until it's the featured weekly? Correct. Well, kind, oh, of. kind of. I don't I don't like that. It's it's kind of because you can still earn the hard mode armor if you do the 380 hard mode because of how it works. Right. However, right. You can, earn, you can earn the black armor. Right. But it's not a guaranteed 400. It's no, 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 no. That's not true. No, no. Huh? Adding clip. So, so here's the situation. Let me use King's Fall to, to better explain what's going on. King's Fall, the reason I bring up King's Fall is it has fully infusible armor. You can get that armor up to 400. Mm -hmm. If you were to play the regular hard mode version, which is 300 or 290, whatever it is. I, I don't remember the light system from back then. It doesn't matter. If you were to play the old hard mode, you can get the hard mode armor, but it does not have the nodes available on it for the ornaments. The same is true for Wrath of the Machine. You can still get 400 drops if you're at 400 on the hard mode, but it will not have the nodes on it for the ornaments. Wait, It'll wait. have one no node on it for the old arm or for the old ornaments, but it won't have the second node on it. I wow. don't think that's true because I have or, armor from before that has both nodes on it already. Same as me. Like I, I'm able to see both nodes on my Wrath of the Machine armor. Like I just put, have, I put some of the old ornaments or I used the, um, the Age of Triumph ornaments on some of the armor I already had. It's like, well, it looks cooler than the current Siva ornament. So we'll just put that on. Hmm. Because I, maybe they I, grandfathered I even, it in, but I, I haven't run Wrath of the I Machine except for this week when it was the featured. I haven't been able to, to uh, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm too focused on the King's Fall armor, mm -hmm. but I know on the King's Fall armor, the old stuff that was harrowed does not have the ornaments. You have to actually Correct. go into it again. You have to get the new armor. But the, mm -hmm. the Wrath of the Machine, here's what I was thinking. It wasn't the 400 thing, because that was going back to my misconception where I thought 400 was guaranteed in the, the new raids, but it's not. It's still based on your light level. What I was thinking yeah. of 
um, the the difference for this and why this matters is you can't complete the note in your book if you don't yeah. do it this week. That's what really matters. Yeah. So all, so, the, I mean, all the people who don't do it kind of miss out till a month from now. That seems yep. appropriate, though. That's that's the incentive of doing the node, though, because that applies to Vault of Glass and it applies to no. Gerda, but it, but it and Fall. Yeah, well, yeah, you have to you have to complete it on the, but not as the weekly. You can complete it at three ninety difficulty. That's the thing here. So you can do three ninety Vault right now and get the node in your book. Mm-hmm. But you uh, won't be able to do. Okay, I did not Raph. know that. I did yeah. not know that. You won't be able yeah. to do three ninety raft unless it's the weekly, which is just weird because one, it doesn't fall in line with the other three rage, which is what's mm-hmm. going on, and two, it, it makes it kind of a very narrow window to get it. I know that that's it's weird to say. Like people are like, oh, it's like there for a full week. At the same time, if you're busy, um, and you you want to complete those nodes. You've got, yes, you've got three months to do it, but if it's only happening for a week each month, it's very hard for people to necessarily be like, okay, I'm going to set aside time to get a raid, find a raid team this week at this time when things could keep coming up on those that one week versus the others where it's like, all right, I know during this month at this time I can get a raid team set up. I'm going to do vault. Okay. During this month, I can get this raid team set up at this time. I'm going to do crota, you know, so it's, it's, it's weird. I mean, it's, it's not necessarily a huge problem but it's just very weird to me. yeah uh, the only one that that does anything with challenge in node in the book is the um not omnigal ear you challenge under two minutes that's the only one yeah the i i can understand the frustration but at the same time this would be kind of my devil's advocate argument so you can to to achieve the ability to you know get the t-shirt get your age of triumph shirt is to complete a 100% quote unquote um you know achievement that does not mean you need to 100% the book that means you need to achieve enough nodes to equate to whatever crazy math that gets you to 100% in the eyes of Bungie um you do not need to do all the raids to get there Right. Um, I, th- I think this is their way of understanding their player base. We are a very unique percentage. I mean, heck, we are on a podcast talking about destiny. We are a very small percentage. And the people that are going to be listening are also equally as crazy and love destiny as much as we do. We're the ones that are going to be rating every week when it's the featured thing because we just love the game that much. There are people, you know, like my like my father-in-law who's in my clan. We've gotten him through all the raids. He's 60 years old. He's easily our clan elder, but he can't raid every week. And so mm. he may not be able to get all those nodes. So far, the only featured weekly we've done with him is Crota. But I mean, he completed it all. He did it. He has the node done, but he hasn't done Wrath of the Machine. He hasn't done uh, King's Fall since age of triumph has been around but he's still at like 60 70 percent of his book and even if he doesn't touch those raids and completing that note he still has a chance at getting that book done and i think that's even though bungie yeah it's a it seems a little shysty to block that considering rise of iron is current content to not have that as a thing in its most current light level raid um before everything came up it seems odd, but at the same time, there are still ways to for people to complete their book, to get their shirt, 
And if there are people that are completionists and want to get that node done, those are the kind of people that will take the time to schedule that at some point, either the next month or the month after before Destiny 2 drops. There's right. still plenty of time to get that done. But it, I can understand that, yeah, it is a little shysty, but at the same time, the, Bungie has to know that the the core audience they have isn't really us. We can right. we tend we tend to be the outspoken ones that you know they do listen to, but at the same time they need to also look at what is the majority of their player base, which are people that are far more casual and maybe raid occasionally or haven't raided at all. Which is understandable, but when I was arguing, I'm not arguing for this sense of the the t-shirt because i understand mm. there are other ways to get the t-shirt what i'm saying is this raid is now being brought back and all the other raids are being giving a 390 version that lasts the whole time but this one isn't which is just very weird to me that you have one that is going to sit lower than the others when there is a 390 version available that 390 version is in the game because we're playing it right now so it just exactly. doesn't make sense to me that it resets back combined with the fact that I understand what you're saying about the T-shirt, but some people aren't even doing this book for the T-shirt. Some people are doing it for the emblems. What if you have someone who really loves raiding and is able to raid, say, once a week, once every two weeks, um, but they're never able to get on during those times when Wrath of the Machine is the weekly now. So they love raids. They're never going to be able to get this emblem because they're only able to raid in a week where Wrath of the Machine isn't the featured raid, so they can do all the others at 390. They can't do this one. I don't know. It's still just very weird to me that it, the 390 is in the game, but they're not letting it be active like the other ones are. I can understand that, but, you know, I think even with emblems, I think it still applies with with the philosophy of you can't please everybody. You can't have everything line up perfectly for all circumstances. You have to... I mean, even, think of... um. Did you guys play... Uh, destiny during the beta yeah yep okay so you remember the day when we actually got to go to the moon for one day two days set, man two days yeah, two days yeah so if you set foot on the moon it was a good two days guess what you got an emblem in addition to your beta emblem that says hey not only did i play the beta but i went on the moon in the beta i still i have you i have that i'm i think you guys probably do based on you guys saying that you were in it as well but there are some people that couldn't go because, you know, they were only able to play some of the beta before and they missed out. Um, So I think that's that's one of those things where, you know, life happens and sometimes you miss something. And as much as that sucks, um, you know, you you can't get everybody everything sometimes. It's and still, some people need to make peace with that. I think this is more of a bug than anything else. I, 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 I don't think that this is Bungie trying to be malicious or anything. Mm -hmm. I honestly think that this is a bug. Because I noticed that the stuff for year two and above raids are having the, um, some sort of issues. Where, for example, the year one raids, Broda and Vault of Glass, whenever you fail a challenge, it'll say challenge failed. But that doesn't apply to King's Fall or Wrath of the Machine. There's something underneath it that's preventing the wording or certain things from happening so i don't know it what the situation is because it, it 10 light level does seem kind of weird mm -hmm. to restrict the node and for me it's never been about the node i just want everything all if they're going to bring all raids back up to specific light i want the challenges to be equal mm -hmm. um 
And for me, it's all, all about the challenge. I'm not even looking at it the node way or even looking at it for, for the emblem, which I know there's people who are going to not be able to do it. But whatever the situation is, for me, I just want the newest raid to be the hardest. It makes sense. Um, but in this case, on the weak set, it's not the challenge. It's not the hardest. It's actually the, e the easiest of the three. Now, you can argue, well, Jorge, certain raids are difficult because of mechanics yes but i'm talking about being at the same level of parity with regards to the enemies mm -hmm. um yeah I, I i i honestly believe it's just a, a glitch that they were just like the bungee was like you know what it's not really worth our time considering in about a month's time we're gonna be talking destiny 2 and there's gonna be a beta very soon so yeah i i, I agree with that i think we're at we're in a position now where the crew that is in charge of keeping Destiny, Rise of Iron, and just Destiny itself rolling, and same with the previous consoles as well, is a very minimal crew at this point. It's enough to keep things going, keep things okay, but there's no denying the majority of the focus is Destiny 2 and nothing else. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we are so close to it that. I mean, all eyes and all focus really at this point since Age of Triumph has been rolled out. Overall, I would believe it's been well received. People have enjoyed it. It's it's brought a lot of people back, even if it's only just for a few weeks. I really do think that that I, I think that's right. I didn't even think about that, that, you know, we're we're so close to Destiny 2's beta launching and they need to be ready for that, especially with PC becoming a thing as well. I mean, they've got to have all eyes, all hands ready for it. Well, I think and another so maybe thing, they can't address it. I was going to say, I think another thing, I don't think it's a glitch that it's not saying challenge failed. I think that comes from the fact that they spent a lot of time remastering the old raids more than they did with the new ones. With the new ones, they just added a new ornament or, or they added new armor, but the challenge modes were already in place. So I don't think they ever actually touched the challenge modes coding or anything like that for wrath of the machine or king's fall so because those didn't say challenge failed originally they don't have it now and i think that's why there's no challenge failed versus where they freshly implemented challenges to vault of glass and crota's end they were able to add that challenge failed text which i think you know it helps i like it a lot but i think they just spent more time on those two raids and that's why we don't see that in the other two Mm -hmm. No, I, well, I didn't say that those were, that the challenge failed not appearing in the new raids. The newer raids was a glitch. I was talking about it yeah, being the, 380 yeah, the three eighty and the three ninety thing. And I, I agree with the, with the text, not the flavor text showing up in uh, in King's Fall because those are challenge modes that we had. You know, it's the first raid we had to introduce challenges, and then they had to create challenges for you know for Crota and Vogue. So they're able to. They're already having to add something extra there's not much more to add a little bit of text to pop up in the bottom left to say hey you failed or or whatever is that indicator which by the way i was very happy to see that that was so yes. nice yeah i think the whole community so was. nice it's a great teaching tool because the if you're thing, if you're trying to carry people through it that have never done it it's it's always good to know like oh whoops we failed go ahead and wipe and then we can assess like okay who did what because we clearly know that we failed because it said we did yeah the other thing is, uh, and this is a completely different discussion, which we won't go into today because it'd be way too long, but I think the challenge modes coming from Vault of Glass 
and Crota's End prove that it's best to make challenges after the raid is in place. Because with the Wrath of the Machine, and this is my personal opinion, but the Wrath of the Machine and King's Fall challenges are very much built in the fact that the challenge was set in place as the hardest way to do this encounter. Then they scaled it back from there, making it, okay, now it's hard mode. Now it's normal mode. And I think that makes the challenge modes less engaging versus where you have an entire raid that is completely designed. Then you throw in a challenge of, uh, so on Templar, you have don't let them teleport, which was always in place and you always got a bonus chest for it. Now with Atheon, it's everybody must kill an Oracle where it kind of creates that that hectic part to the fight that was never supposed to be in design, but is mm-hmm. the challenge of the fight rather than something that was always designed and you don't have to do it. Or like in uh, in King's Fall, when you're fighting Oryx, you find out the challenge mode is, wait a second, this is now the most efficient way to do this fight. Yeah, it would be silly to do it any other way in the middle and not die. Yeah. And just get all the four bombs there. And guess what? You just go in one bomb cycle and it I agree. I think the the most fun I've had was the Atheon challenge because it is chaotic. I mean, it brought the communication snafu that you have with, you know, slamming on uh, Axis when it's like, okay, do we get empowered? Okay, cool. Now go slam. And everyone's just running around. You have a moment like that with oracles initially, like until you kind of get your crew together and you start, you know, being like, okay, I'm number one, you're number two, you're number three. And you kind of go from there. But until you kind of have that down, you have just this madness of like, oh my gosh, what are we doing? There's so much to do. And who's running in? Who's running out? And I I think it's kind of cool to have it, you know, like you're saying, have it set, and let it be and then you know create maybe have some challenges in mind but see what the the community comes up with in terms of their strategies and if they haven't picked up on what the challenges will be or if it's still plausible maybe start you know making that your idea for challenges and building them after the fact but i've yeah. seen some of the challenges that are from you know from king's fall and axis i think are good good challenges just like you know the ones from vault of glass and crota i think there's good examples on both ends i'm not sure if one is better than the other because i don't know if we're looking at it with rose colored glasses with fog like this is our favorite and now these are our favorite challenges as well no no i i don't think that's the point at all because in my opinion axis is the hardest challenge and it is a vault of glass style challenge in my opinion where mm-hmm. you never have to actually do that that's not a true part of the fight but the challenge is to make it happen every single time and it creates for some of the most hectic challenge encounters mm-hmm. um but it's it's not a like thing that is added into the fight because we saw a challenge and we scaled back versus Vostic, where it's like, oh, we're always going to drop these two balls and you can throw them at the thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I think now that all I mean, they, they were there last last week, but now that everybody's had a taste of all the challenges in the game, uh, I think just like David said, Axis is still the hardest challenge. With, yes. With. Atheon just behind it and it has nothing to do with the actual challenge itself being difficult because for the most part all challenges all how many are there there's four there's two two whatever however I, I, I nine challenges nine there you go thank you hooray anyway all nine challenges aren't that particularly difficult they they're you'd have to do something different what it comes down to with 
the two big ones, Atheon and Axis, and to some extent, Golgoroth, those are the three hardest in my opinion, is that if you are not communicating with your team, you will not complete this challenge. Mm-hmm. If there's no teamwork, you will not complete this challenge. And I hope that in the future, if there is if there is a challenge mode of some sort in Destiny 2, which it wouldn't surprise me if there was because oh, there is will a pop- be there will be there was such a positive reception to it. I'd be shocked if there wasn't something along those lines with whatever end game right. activities we have. Right. So uh, if there is a version of challenge mode in the future with where we're going up against Gary and we have to do a challenge mode um, where we have to take his head helmet off and laugh at him. <laughs> Glenn, something with the Ghoul. G. <laughs> <laughs> it's gall, you idiot. Anyway, whatever. Um, <laughs> Called him ghoul. Gall. He's a ghoul. Gaul. He's a ghost. He's a ghost. Ghoul sounds Gaul. cooler. Anyway. Anyway, um, I just hope in the future that it utilizes more teamwork because we've gone into challenges. For example, War Priest. I think it's easy to say that that is the most disappointing challenge in the game. What challenge? Kind of, but at the same time, think about it this way. No, no, no. No, don't even give an argument for War Priest. I I will give an argument for War Priest. I don't even want to hear it. This is it. This is it. I don't even want to hear it. I don't even want to hear it. It's a DPS check. It's a DPS check. It's a DPS check challenge. That's that's what it is. Just just very much like opening the gate for Vault of Glass for the first time during the Forever Twenty Nine days. That is a DPS gut check for your fire team. If you are not able to complete that, you will not be able to complete the other challenges and maybe not be able to finish the raid. I think it is a challenge that is one. I mean, and it's like we were talking about earlier. We are in a we are in a percentage of Destiny players that are very. You know, I would say like we're top tier, like, you know, stroking our egos here, but we we're we're, we're experienced guardians. We're seasoned. We know what the heck we're doing, more or less. Mm-hmm. And there are some people that, you know, may not have the gear or the right guns or didn't buy the vendor hung jury when it's was clearly the most efficient PVE weapon, especially for King's Fall. Um, and so it, it's a PVE DPS gate challenge. That's all. And no, so, yeah, yes, is it easy? Yes, it's incredibly easy, especially for a team that has cleared Vogue hard mode multiple times and Crota. That should be a very easy challenge when it was the first challenge. Um, is it the worst? I'd say it's the worst in the sense that it is the uh, simplest to complete and the simplest to explain. But does mm-hmm. it make it horrible? No, um, but I think they could have done more with it. There could have I'd been see. more more done. Here's my thing. It's not a challenge. It's just having different people step on a plate. But where in the opposite argument, Crota's challenge is just have a different person grab the sword. So it's mm. it's basically the same thing. However, totally on, on a basically different note, but same note at the same time. War Priest is not the check for me. My check is if, if War Priest that that'll go fine no matter what, because you can have two people do enough damage to down War Priest in three or four rounds. The, mm-hmm. the real check when I'm doing King's Fall and doing carries is how totems goes. Let me tell you something. If totems is going poorly, <laughs> I know I'm yes. going to be in King's Fall for a while. Yeah, it turns into like, OK, we'll be done in an hour to this is going to be my entire night. Right. This is it. And we may not even get there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I remember when totems I was is too carries. long. Totems was way too long. <laughs> you were just no, running forever. Like, what number are we on? Ah, oh, crap. 
Yeah, I mean, t- I think Totems was fine. I I, I know it was it was basically to see Totems was there to to teach you how to work with the team mm-hmm. because every single challenge after that involves some sort of teamwork mm-hmm. and you had to work using the brands. Yeah, like everything that, some like, kind of relic or some kind of aura right. and those matter. Right. I mean, everybody thinks that the big relic is holding that orb. The relic itself is actually the aura mm-hmm. using, using the brand. Exactly. That is the big thing in, in, in this raid. Yeah. So it's weird that you have such a passive relic, quote unquote relic. Mm-hmm. So working with that relic is, is, is what it's trying to introduce you. So I'm mm-hmm. not, I don't like, how do I put this? War priest just wasn't that engaging to me. I get where you're coming from with the DPS, but to be fair, the DPS check came before even any of the challenges were there. The DPS, the biggest DPS check was Golgoth. If you could, didn't do enough damage, you were done. Like that, that was it. Well, um, that well, that's before you get to Golgoth, though. Right, right. But, but, but even I, way under leveled teams can clear War Priest. Yeah, mm. I, I, yeah. I mean, you had people forget that you had four chances to down War Priest. Mm-hmm. Like if you have three tablets there, on the fourth one you have to kill them. If you don't kill them there, that's it. Mm-hmm. Um. So I just think that in terms of creativity, War Priest was the worst. I think the most fun one, in my opinion, actually is your you, the Death Singer. Oh, yeah. Because it's all about clearing the ads. Like, it, it is yeah. such a madhouse. Getting it to the point where it's like, you see the count on 10. No, I just got the sword. Eight. No. No. And, like, you finally, I, I've got it once. Where it was like, I had zero seconds. She's right in front of me. All I have to do is R2. And as my sword is going back behind my head, boom, everybody died. I'm Man, like, no. I, I remember having one where I was using the sword to propel myself just to close the gap. And then I died and I was a, I was a sun singer and I self-rest, picked it up and lunged at her with the sword one more time. And I swear, I mean, the sword as I fell to the ground barely touched her. Like, I, I couldn't have been so close. And it's like, I almost had her self-res reach one more time and denied. It's like, ugh. so yeah, frustrating, but I so mean, much fun. I agree. It was it's it's a great just like everybody just kill everything. Be a Stormcaller, <laughs> be a Sunbreaker, be a Night Stalker, kill everything. What's well, also kill that only all. challenge. It's that only challenge where the challenge is truly an addition to the fight. Like you mm, can yep. you can end this fight right here. Or you can go on to challenge mode. It is the it is the first challenge mode where you really are flipping a switch to activate it. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm. I'm. But but it, because you are flipping that switch, I think it's more fun. Like it felt. It feels weird when you do Crota's End now and you don't yeah, do the challenge. Because it's boring, man. It's, it's so almost boring. like man. It's like strike, it's huh? It's uh. It, it just it ended. It's what? it's okay. <laughs> I got wait. I got raid armor and a strike. What's happening? Yeah, <laughs> what is yeah. I mean, it, it, it's very, very fun. I really like that challenge. Um, but yeah, uh, uh, just in terms of challenges, I, I think it's safe to say the Golgoroth, Axis, and and Atheon are the top. Where at the bottom you have some of the like the Crota one. I get what they're trying to do because usually you have one. Ri- this is not most teams, but there's a lot of teams that have usually have that one person who's really really good with sword and then you have people who aren't that good god bless like that person too to, 
that comes down to nobody ever wanted to grab sword, just like nobody nope, ever wanted to I did run not. relic in King's Fall. I was one of those guys that got Galahorn very early, and it's like <laughs> I'm on galley duty, man. I'm not touching that sword. Right. Which which uh, the challenge makes sense in the fact that uh, they understood that people were just going to go back and have one person run sword again, so they might as well mix mm-hmm. it up. But yeah, well, they did that to force it too. It's like how do we prevent from having it all rest on one person's shoulders? Right. That same person can't do it every time. Right. Well, and that's the the one really cool thing. And um, I didn't do this at first, but I started doing it after running a lot of carries with Jorge. Jorge's mm-hmm. always been big on this. And that's you. He likes to make people do what they don't want to do. And I love that. Yeah. And that's I, good. I, I that's do, good. I do carries now, too. Yeah. It's it's you make someone. Everybody's like, oh, don't let this person run sword. Don't let this person uh, run relic in King's Fall. All right. You're the person doing it. And, and it helps to not only um, shut the team up. But but it boosts the confidence of that individual player, which is, I think, a big part of part of what the Destiny community does, helping each other out. I mean, the I reason agree. I did that's that, really good. The reason I did that was because it came down to this when I was doing uh, carries for especially Skolas and, and Kingsfall. Like I would just have people constantly sending messages like we need somebody to run the relic. I was like, I've done this raid with you tons of times. Why can't you do it yourself? It's not that I don't want to raid with you. That's not the point. It's just I'm not going to be available all the time. Mm-hmm. You're going to need to learn how to do this. And like, let's say you want to carry your friends. You're you're going to say, well, Hori's not available. I can't really do this. That's not how this game is supposed to be played. You're not supposed to depend on one person. I'm not trying to put my or toot my own horn. But like one of the things I was like, look, I can do this, but I'm going to have you do this because it's not that hard. You just change what you have to do. Like, it's more fun to be involved. Like, if I'm the one with the sword, the main reason I do the sword, it's more fun. Like, Galahorn is cool and all, but after that, I'm just literally standing, waiting for the next thing to happen. The sword is always, like, you're constantly moving. So, in essence, I'm trying to get people more involved in the fun of the game. I I want you to run the sword because I want you to experience the fun. I agree. Yeah, we're probably going to fail a couple times, but... On Crota, you fail, all you lose is two minutes. Yeah. Well, not only that, too, like there's there's a sense of like you're cheering on the person that you're carrying or the or the least experienced person. And there's there's this sense of camaraderie when that person finally nails it. And not, mm-hmm. you, you just took it from like, OK, I'm just being carried to like, no, I did this. I was the relic guy. And I, you know, I, you know, took down the shield from Templar and I you know, held my own or I actually ran, you know, the platforms on Oryx and I made it all the way through and got down. And, you know, when you accomplish that, there's this extra sense of pride and it becomes a more, a more defining moment and a more memorable experience. And I, I think that's really cool that, uh, that you do that with your carries. I might have to, yeah. I might have to take that and do that too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've had people who, who came from backgrounds who they were like, they're super shy refuse to get involved. I force them to do the primary objective, the sword, the relic jumping or whatever. Mm-hmm. And now they lead their own teams. Like that's, that's how you, in, in, that's how you encourage the community to grow. Um, if you just always have somebody be passive, you stay here. I mean, I remember back in going back even further in the Crota land cable days where I would, ha- we would, we would, Bring somebody in who is level 30 or 20, what is it, 
27, 28, I think that was the lowest that you could be for Crota at the time to get into the raid. It's like, okay, you see that windowsill? You stay up there and you don't move. And like, they're literally just staying there just to get loot. Yeah, there's like, like, that's not. Okay, I'll uh, rock it away. Pop the synth. I didn't really do anything. It's not fun. It's not fun at all. No, it's not. It's it's very, very stale. Yeah, when I raid, I'm I'm very much with Jorge, and you know we we kind of butt heads sometimes. I always want to be the one to run sword. He wants to run sword. I want to run relic. He wants to run relic. No, but it, but it's very much um, you get those people involved. Like he said, it spreads out into the community. Those people start leading their teams, and it brings people out of their shell because every single raid, whoever is doing the the main thing, whoever's calling out totem sides in war priest, whoever is. Um, grabbing gaze in Goldogoroth. Like whoever is doing that main thing has to be talking. So you're bringing those people who would normally be shy out of their shell. And it's a great way to just mm, get the community flowing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, th- that's one of the things I did like about um, Wrath of the Machine is outside of the Vasa challenge, like everything is pretty much you got to work with your team. Calling on which side, like, oh, I see this is over here. I see this is over here. Let's go over here. Um, even for example, Axis Challenge. Yeah, you could do it where we're on your side. You're you got the relic, but there's two other relics or the cannons in this case. Everybody has to be involved. You can't just stand still and and have somebody lead you to you know to victory. Mm-hmm. At a certain point, everybody gets involved or nobody gets the the reward. Even further, that's what and- I. Sorry, I thought you were done. Good. I was just going to say even further, empowerment's random. And whenever you get empowerment, you must talk. Yeah, communication is so huge in that fight. And the the window for error is very tiny. It mm-hmm. is very, very tiny. Axis is still, I still struggle with that fight sometimes because it can just be. Noob. It can almost be so, so tight. Like <laughs> even if you have like this, this, this little bit of hesitation or if you had to do a quick double take to make sure axis wasn't behind you if you got the middle lane you you just maybe just screwed the challenge right there i feel like especially with the with latency and you know the way the destiny is i almost feel like it's just a little too tight i still think it's a great fight and when you nail it there's this sense of relief and I don't really feel like the sense of accomplishment like I do with other challenges. I feel like the weight is now off and it's done and I don't want to do it again <laughs> until that's way, so way funny. later. I don't know. Like, I feel the opposite, dude. Like when I'm doing just, I love ju- that's Axis just with Axis. That's just with that. That's only that's the only oh, I thing know. I feel with I Axis. The other raids, I love them. I love I love the Atheon challenge. But with Axis, and it could just be my personal experience that I've had. Like, it's I feel like it's just been always something just so tiny. But no, I don't know. no. it's my least favorite. I, I understand. I'm just saying it like I feel the opposite for some reason for me, like um, doing access challenge. I don't know if it's the music or whatnot, but like every time I slam, whether it's on his back or onto the squares mm-hmm. to just supercharge guardians, like every time I do it and my guy just does that uh, animation, I'm like, yes, like mm, we did it. Let's do this. Let's keep mm-hmm. this going. Yeah, and I don't know. Like there's one we were doing a run. um, uh, shoot, it was me, Jorge, a couple of our clan mates and stuff. We were doing a run last night. Um, first run through, I actually went down really early because I bounced off the map. It was tons of fun. Um, <laughs> and they almost killed him with five people. 
And then we were like, eh, no, okay. They they ended up having to wipe challenge failed, whatever. Let's do it again. Then someone else went down, and then we ended up doing the whole thing with five people. And like doing that, like it's just a rush, man. Like I I love the access challenge because of the like rush it gives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Though I will agree with with McFly here when he said that maybe access closing the back needs to be lengthened by maybe a half second, maybe a, a second more. Yeah, just, there's those just moments, like a like, nudge, just a nudge. I'm the, not saying like you need to add like a couple seconds, just a little yeah. bit to like, you know, add some, you know, latency error or just the time it takes for someone to speak through PSN and then to get to the other guy. Yeah, there there, there is a moment where, where like it closes way too quickly. Like I, me and you, David, we've we've done this raid multiple times, so we know that we can do this pretty quickly, and we have everything down. But there's there's sometimes where it's just it closes up. Wait, I, I I accept that sometimes you fail, you didn't get there on time. But then there's times where like I'm clearly on this guy, it's not activating, nothing's happening, and then it just closes, and I'm like, that's no fair enough. That's bad. It is a perfect position fight in the sense that you must be in perfect position at all times especially to do the perfect challenge. position challenge perfect position challenge even the fight so, man even before we did challenge there were times where um when we were taking people through for the first time it takes a couple goes to get them to be like all right just stand here when you're empowered and access is about to teleport because some people don't like to stand where you tell them mm-hmm. yeah i, I mean for me, I, I've always appreciated access for for the amount of teamwork that it brings together that you need to have there for the challenge. Um, there, there is that half second maybe that I think additional it needs to have open the, the back to activate. But other than that, like I understand where he where he's coming from with regards where he's saying maybe he doesn't enjoy that fight as much as other cha- or other fights because of that half second latency. The the, the like. There is a weight that is lifted off your shoulders. When you're able to complete that challenge for that week, you're like, okay, I'm glad I'm done. But like David said, I still, I, I appreciate how epic. It, I mean, one thing that does go untalked about in a lot of podcasts and a lot of places, ever since at least King's Fall, like the music and how in sync it is with everything, like that's always, that's, that's always been something I, I've really noticed with regards to the raids. Especially Axis, like ha, ha, ha. like you laugh about it when you when you do it. So, <laughs> but like, but like when it's, when you hear it in certain positions, like it makes the entire thing feel more epic. Mm-hmm. Like it, it really, it's really gripping. I mean, the music for King's Fall, like ha, 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 ha. <laughs> I don't. I, the music, okay, though, I'm doing a almost, bad impression, dude. It can almost teach <laughs> the fights in a way. Like that's how into the fight it is with King's mm-hmm. Fall, especially like the the changes of the music tell you all right. We got a shift going on. Now something's intense is happening. This means ads are going to spawn. All right. Now we got a little slow bit. That means we're going to have to run in circles around this podium unless we just do the challenge because we can stand there invincible for a while. But it's just, I don't know. The, the music, that I, I love the music. Destiny has always brought out great oh, music. Oh, it's and I love so it. good. Oh my gosh. I can't wait mm-hmm. for the next soundtrack. I still think one of the best musical cues in a raid is the sword for Crota. When you pick that up, yes. that's just, oh, that's just slight change that happens. It's, I mean, I can hear it in my mind and it gets me a little psyched. It, it's that mm-hmm. good. And you just, it's very heroic and very like, okay, let's do it, dude. Let's smack this right. dude in the toes. Let's trim his nails. 
and you just <laughs> you just get so excited. And I mean, Destiny is such great. Such... Anyway, all right. Anyway, uh, mash those buttons. Uh, mash those buttons is your ultimate resource for video game commentary, reaction, and involvement by a variety of opinionated and informed gamers who love gaming of all kinds. Covering a large swath of gaming, we cover the latest news and information on the games you care about and always provide unfiltered commentary and fun. Check out all the killer podcasts available today on the Mash Those Buttons website at www.mashthosebuttons.com. All right. And with that, uh, I think we're at a good spot. Is there anything any of you guys want to bring up uh, before we go ahead and wrap this show up? Um, yes. Bungie PR messed up this week. In the sense okay. that uh, they tweeted this this wonderful tweet. It was a picture of Ikora zapping the cabal from the trailer with the caption, too bad the cabal traveled light years just to get punched in the face because that was beautiful. Then they deleted mm. it and changed the caption to the Red Legion can drive us from our home, but that doesn't mean we won't go down without a fight. They basically why went they all Cade it. and changed it to Zavala, and I want the Cade version back. Yeah. I don't, I, still, I still don't understand the change. It's like it's it's still fine. I just I never understood the change. It made no sense to me. Here's my theory about what's going to happen. If you notice, everything focuses on Earth. All the promotional materials focus on Earth. But I don't think that's where the raid is going to be. My theory is that we're the main storyline that we're going to be going through is expelling the Cabal from Earth. We're going to cleanse Earth of the Cabal infestation, if you want to call it that. And then we're going to go to a specific place where that's where Gaul will do his last stand. Like, that's where it'll be. And and it might be a moon of Saturn. It might be a moon of Neptune, whatever. Or on Neptune. I, I don't know where it is. But we're going to be traveling light years to get to where we Im- infiltrate, let's say, a Cabal base and we have to steal information about the red legion like a stealth mission using hunters Mm -hmm. like that would be a cool going back to what we were talking about hunters have a specific storyline titans have a specific storyline warlocks have a specific storyline a hunter storyline will be infiltrating a cabal base on a far planet so you can steal information about red legion something like that um i think that's where we're going and i think they were because of that tweet it hinted at something that they don't want to go to just yet. I think they've already said that we're going to be going and traveling the star system and going to different locations. So we know that it's not going to be all Earth. But I think they're trying to keep the message to Earth-centric right now because that's all they want to show. They don't want to give hints about where else we were we going because that might be giving too much information or might spread the message a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what's going on there now. I'm excited to see what we're going to be doing outside of Earth, because as I've mentioned on the show, we are already on Earth too much for a game that's supposed to be a space epic and space odyssey. It's not so much in space as much as it is on Earth. It's like, okay, that's fine, but I want a little bit more. I want to do something different. Makes sense. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, I I can't disagree. I cannot disagree. Yeah, I, I, I'm again. I'm excited because here's what I think is going to be happening on when we do the gameplay re- or when the gameplay reveal happens. I think they will be in a social area where people grouped up after the invasion of the cabal. 
Mm-hmm. So we agree there. St- point one, we agree. They're going to step out. I don't think that they're going to do anything but the quote-unquote patrol, whatever that is. And by that, I mean they go out there, they go to a specific location, all of a sudden, a mission starts. Mm. Do you think it'll be something that's, that's like outside the city? Like wherever I, we've kind of rallied to like some kind of a group? I think what will happen is this. David is on the right point where he's talking about doing a strike, doing a mission. But I don't think that that involves going to like the, the whole reveal is to show how you'll be playing. Mm-hmm. The reveal isn't the big reveal isn't so much the fact that you are going to the director selecting the mission, going to the mission. The big reveal will be you're going right from from the social area to patrol to the mission without ever going to space and and and. and and the director and selecting the mission. You going to a location activates the, the mission where you go complete that. And then you're like, oh, okay, well, my friends want to group up. I heard that they're, they're, they found something over here. Like you go over there and all of a sudden it starts a strike. Mm. That's the big reveal. That's, where, that's how you differentiate Destiny 1 from Destiny 2. Thank because that's always, been, that's always been how it, how it was in the original trailer, if you notice where they're outside the, the Cosmodrome Mall where you where you spawn in the story. Like, all of a sudden, these people group up. There's a public event. They fire the Galahorn. They fire the, the what is it, the Thunderlord and random other things using a sniper. And, like, that was, like, everybody grouped up and created a fire team there. Yeah, and, and like, think- you got to see supers for the first time. You saw a Nova Bomb for the first time. And it's like, oh, this is awesome. Right, so if they could show think, like some live action fire team joining, that'd be pretty awesome too. I bet it'll be highly staged, but it'll be one of those things. We'll see something happen. We'll see either some of the new abilities that will at least tease, like, hey, yes, you still maybe have arc, solar, and void, but you're maybe seeing a new grenade or a new melee or a super that looks familiar but has been tweaked, even if it's just if- an aesthetic change. If they even have abilities when they go into right, this. even yeah, even if they show us something like that, we may not even get that much. We may just get something as simple as like, here's a quick UI tour and what your character will look like, and this is the environment, yeah. and that's it. I don't think they're gonna show any abilities. Like, I, I think that's think so? gonna be like here. I know that sounds weird. It says, but I th- I'm looking at I'm looking at the TWAB, and it says gameplay premiere. Right, I get that. I know here's here's my theory again Mm -hmm. again this is all speculation for all our listeners Mm -hmm. my theory is that everything that we're going to be doing or that they're going to be showing is the first part like right after the events that that were shown on that video the one that we've all seen already tower is gone city is is destroyed like like you're leaving you're outside on the outskirts of the city and you're trying to like put together your ship that's what my theory where everything involves putting together your ship to go out and find a new source of power. So everything that from there on, like, in fact, it might even be in the first mid, like when they're doing that, they go to an area where you finally, like you get your first ability and then it stops there. You don't even get to see the ability being used. You, you get to see exciting effects, mm-hmm. things to get your mouth waters. Like, Oh, I can't wait. Like, this is going to be in the beta, and then all of a sudden, like, it stops. Right. Like, I, I think everything that they're going to be doing is to tease people, to get people to think, what's the possibility? Mm-hmm. What are we going to be doing? Like, how are we going to feel powerful? Do you think the beta is going to be available 
immediately after the premiere? Do you think it'll be something that'll be available after E3? I think. I think it would. It wouldn't surprise me if the beta was two chunks. You had one chunk available July, and then the full beta available in August. Mm-hmm. Well, what if now, what if they I, did something like um, a PlayStation exclusive alpha? I think that's I think that's what's going to be happening. Yeah, I played in the alpha as well, and I got it through a I got a code through a coworker, and. I wonder if maybe after this premiere, we'll maybe get a closed alpha, mm-hmm. or, or maybe if we'll get an alpha at all. I don't I know. I feel like I don't know. See, so I had um, I played alpha, and the reason I got in originally was because I had a Bungie account, mm-hmm. and yeah. that's what <laughs> got me into the <laughs> alpha. I know, right? <laughs> Back in those Halo days, but um, I'm wondering if it'll be something like. Um, gameplay premiere happens. All right, for three days, all of you who have pre-ordered on PlayStation can play the alpha or something like that. I don't know. Mm. Yeah, because right. if you redeem your code already, it's it's tagged to your Bungie account. Like you say, hey, this yep. is my pre-order code. Depending on your retailer, I mean, I did it through GameStop, and on my receipt, I have my beta code that I can put in on Bungie.net, and then I say which you know console I want to link it to, and there's like, cool, it's there. You'll just await further instructions. We'll email you. So maybe yeah. maybe it could be something like that, or it could be one of those to further incentivize people to go pre-order. Like, hey, yeah. the beta is now, or you know, closed beta is now, and to do it, you need to have pre-ordered by well, next day or whatever. I don't think it'd be a beta. I think it will be like it'd be an alpha or something. Right, right, right. Yeah, they yeah. Sorry. Did say that a beta comes later this summer. In their mm-hmm. like roadmap plans. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Deej has already laid out the roadmap from now till launch. Yeah, and beta's on there. Yeah. So I'm I think that the 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 reveal will be a basic reveal of basic gunplay. Mm-hmm. And it would I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they did show abilities, but my theory is they may be holding out abilities for later on to excite people. Or maybe even tease things from the future. I bet that's more for E3. When we'll they we'll definitely have see time. more abilities at E3 for sure. Yeah, E3, yeah. E3, it's going to be on the floor. People are actually going to play. Mm-hmm. It will be I there. Think, I would be I think, stunned if it was not. I think E3 will be more for PvP reveal than what we're going to be seeing. It, it's it's weird to me that we're getting a gameplay reveal now because. I, usually when, when, when they've done E3 reveals, that they've shown off the, the multiplayer. Mm-hmm. So I think that because of how drastically different the system's going to be, they want to show the gameplay now to get people excited and to kind of understand what they're trying to do. And then later on at E3, because if they were to just show at E3 the, the multiplayer, people would be mm-hmm. like, okay, I don't understand what's going on. But w- when they see like a gameplay reveal, see what the characters are like, what the background is, what's going on here? That in, that adds more. I don't uh, knowledge. I guess it, it 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 gets people to understand more of where they're going to with regards to that. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, and also too, I think by having this gameplay reveal, I think it's a sign of the change of you know what E3 is as we know it. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. Bethesda kind of did it with their own um, when they had their own reveal for Fallout Four and for everything. Um, 
two years ago or is mm-hmm. that last year two years ago or last year but either way like you know that kind of showed some of the other publishers and developers like hey you don't necessarily need this mega platform anymore to reach people to get your name out oh. there to generate some well, buzz. a lot of people can, have been kind of pulling out of e3 yeah, and E3 is changing. E3 is changing. I've been doing press coverage for E3 for three years now, and just in those three, these past three years, it's been drastically different um, mm-hmm. in terms of how it's laid out. You know, EA now having their own thing, which was odd, considering it was right down the street. It was it was really odd, very very odd. Um, it was still cool. I mean, it was convenient to be like, okay, you know, for the EA packages. It's all in this building. Knock it out. Um, But for E3 and what's happening in terms of like reveals and even with Nintendo doing like Nintendo Direct and things like that, I think Bungie is now dipping their toes in and they understand like when they do their reveals on Twitch. The numbers are huge and they're getting bigger. Biggest thing on Twitch. And they get bigger every time they get bigger every time. Every single time the number like it's a new record, it's a new watermark. And so I think it's. I think it's just another reason for them to do it. It's like, you know, we're probably going to get more eyeballs and more press and more word of mouth by us doing our own thing than we will on the stage at E3. But we need to honor our commitments to Sony by having a presence at E3. But also, too, we also owe stuff to our stockholders and to Activision to make sure that we, you know, deliver our numbers this is probably going to be the best way to get our word out and to drive, drive up the most hype. And then E3 is going to be getting the rest of the people on board that aren't as in tune to Twitch and into games media as much. Cause E3 is something that, you know, will show up, you know, like on NBC and CNBC and things like that. That's kind of like you're feeling out your last little bit. Well, the other thing that this does is um, it takes an extra spotlight on Bungie and destiny so destiny as mm-hmm. a whole from the get-go has always gotten a big spotlight from things like GameSpot, kotaku um ign all that stuff well what this right. does is it, it puts the reveal at a time when nothing else is going on so these big game covering news media outlets have nothing else to talk about but this giant reveal so you mm-hmm. now have a month span where everybody is talking about Destiny 2 leading up to E3 rather than them revealing Destiny 2 during E3 and it get kind of drowned out by everything else that's being revealed as well. But what about Call of Duty? Isn't, isn't something coming with that too? What? Uh, yeah, but... <laughs> I'm just kidding. Just, it's Call of Duty. I mean, I'm going to get yeah. it because it's it World is War II and it's going to be cool, but you, like... Eh, you have yeah. two Activision games that are, you know, having major reveals within weeks of each other. Well, Call of Duty is being revealed in three days from when we're recording. We're recording on the 23rd. It's being revealed on the 26th. Yeah. Um, well, oh, actually, for some reason, I thought it was technically we're recording on the 22nd, but now it's the morning of the 23rd. Anyway... It's Wednesday the twenty sixth. It's being revealed. Then you've got uh-huh. uh, like three weeks until Bungie D two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, it's going to be an interesting time coming up. Uh, I'm I'm excited to see what's going to be happening. There's there's a lot of theories we can throw out there. Um, everything comes full circle very very soon. 
We'll see that another piece of the roadmap laid out. I'm pretty sure that they're going to say, well, at the end, well, when do you expect to be able to play some of this stuff? Well, here you go. And boom, they'll give you a date for like the quote unquote alpha or beta, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're going to get some more information very, very soon. It's destiny. One is definitely starting to start to hit the back burner and destiny two is about to go full on. And, and I'm excited for that. Um, but with regards to that, with this show, because we're running a little over time, is there anything else you guys want to bring up before we wrap this bad boy up? Nah, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. Thank you for uh, for having me on again. I really do appreciate it, guys. Thank you for joining. Right, thank you for coming on. Um, so, David, why don't you go ahead and close this up? Well, we want to thank you all for listening to In Orbit, as always. Let you know we are available on a ton of platforms, so please make sure you're spreading the word. The best way to do that is to simply share In Orbit with others. We are on iTunes, SoundCloud, Overcast for iOS, Downcast for iOS, Google Play Music, Stitcher Smart Radio, Player.fm, Pocket Casts, Apple Podcasts, and we have an RSS feed. Links to each are available right on the Masters Buttons website at www.mastersbuttons.com. Make sure to stay tuned after the show to hear what's coming this week on Masters Buttons. Make sure to check out the other shows on Masters Buttons Network at mastersbuttons.com slash shows to see all of our podcasts. And for any questions regarding scheduling, check mashlessbuttons.com slash schedule for all scheduling details. You can check us out on twitter.com slash MTB site, twitter.com slash inorbit podcast, facebook.com slash buttons, youtube.com slash buttons. David, where can people find you at? You can find me on Twitter at DS underscore Bolt or streaming on Twitch, twitch.tv slash DS Bolt. No spaces, no underscores. And Captain McFly, where can people find you at and what are your times? Sure, you can find me on Twitter at Captain McFly TV or over on Twitch at Captain McFly, but you spell McFly M-C-F-1-Y because somebody else has the other one and they won't give it to me and that's okay. But I stream on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday nights, 8 o'clock Central, typically anywhere between 3 to 5 hours. All right. And as always, you can find me on all the different social network sites and gaming platforms via my screen name, GoToNRG. That's G-O, the number two, N-R-G. Make sure you contact us with any questions to inorbitpodcast at gmail.com or drop us a tweet at twitter.com slash inorbitpodcast. My prior events are not a memory. It is momentum. It advances, leads, and controls, points and directs, shapes and forms. I may not enjoy everything that lies in front of me, but as in any story, the past needs resolution. We are the authors, the finishers of our fate. What is in my past is my prologue, and what is in my future is my destiny. On behalf of the entire In Orbit team, David, Jordan, Jarrett, and myself, and this week, Captain McFly, We thank you for listening to our show, and as always, we'll see you on the next mission. Your destiny calls.